It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a uh, very special edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. Uh, this is David, and I'm here with our buddy Kate, who sits in with us from time to time. Kate, how's it going? Good, David. How are you doing? I am well. So we are here at the Nashville Rock and Pod. Uh, they just opened the doors up a little while ago, and we're set up. And I uh, want to give you a little preview of what's to come. We're going to have a couple of episodes come out of this. Most of them probably going to be two interview uh, episodes, because we're only getting 15 minutes with most people. So uh, look forward to uh, us releasing those. But, Kate, yesterday was pretty cool, huh? Oh, wow. I mean, incredible. We were able to spend uh, some time with one of the founding members of one of the biggest bands in the uh, Big Four category and uh, interview Dave Ellison of Megadeth. It was incredible. Yeah, so we got to sit down with Dave and his business partner, Tom Hazard, who is a uh, kind of a big uh, music mogul, uh, responsible for a lot of new metal acts, and uh, he's uh, Dave's business partner and also, also co-author of uh, Dave's second book, uh, More Life with Death. So uh, we were able to get a copy of the book signed by both of them yesterday, and we're going to do a giveaway for that. Uh, so in order to uh, qualify for that, I need you to go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, and uh, leave, leave us a review. And once you type the review up, screenshot it, and send it to our Facebook page, post it on our Facebook page, Digital Kill the Radio Star Podcast, and I'm going to send you the autographed copy of uh, More Life with Death. Uh, Caton, you know, Dave Ellison has this reputation, uh, much like Michael Sweet, being one of the good guys, one of the truly nice guys, and uh, he was running on a tight, tight schedule yesterday. His plane was delayed getting here, and uh, when he came in that room with us, it, it was as if he'd had a perfect day and, and, and gave us all the time we needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he had every reason and excuse in the book to... Uh, push these interviews or, uh, you know, flat out cancel them. They were tight. He was doing some rehearsals with his band that he's playing with tonight. And uh, I literally think we sat down with him, Huddy, about 20 minutes after he got off the flight, you know. So uh, very gracious with this time. Yeah, so um, that's going to come up next uh, after Kate and I get through talking to you for a few minutes. And uh, like I said, get in on that giveaway. That's an autographed book by Dave Ellison and Tom Hazard, and I'll uh, mail it to you. Uh, Kate, also last night we had the, uh, the pre-party, which uh, had a band uh, they're called The Rock and Roll Residency. And it's kind of weird. They're a band, but they're also Gene Simmons and Ace Frehley's backing band. And I got to say, they were as impressive 
as, as anybody I've seen in a long time. They, they were great. I, I, I grabbed a Starbucks this morning, and uh, the singer and guitarist was uh, standing right right beside me, and I, I told him just as much. I said, wow. I said, very very impressive. I've heard of I've heard of the residency for uh, for years, you know, with us, with you know, me being in Memphis and there in Nashville, but I had not seen them before. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a trip that these guys are the backing band for for Gene and Ace. I asked him about it this morning, and he said, he said to get tied in with both of those, you probably have a better chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> I said, you're probably right. Or you and I, or, or you and I, winding up being speedo models. There you go, exactly. So uh, it was also cool. They had several special guests set in. Uh, Ricky Dover of Biters set in and played a ZZ Top cover, and then uh, we had Tony Harnell, who we're going to have on in an interview. He uh, did Led Zeppelin, and then uh, Jack Gibson from Exodus came on along with Michael Strike, Michael Sweet. And they did uh, Soldiers Under Command, and then Michael Sweet performed Ain't Talking About Love. That version of Ain't Talking About Love was smoking. Oh, it was great. It was great. And then Soldiers Under Command was good. It was funny. The the guys in the residency commented after Soldiers Under Command. They kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said, Ooh, that song has a lot of notes in it. So uh, I think they... Uh, I think they had their work cut out for them and, and prepping for that one maybe, but uh, they both sounded great. But yeah, that Van Halen cover was just incredible. Yeah, smoking. All right, everybody. So if you're new to our show and uh, just now listening, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill and like our uh, Facebook page. We also have an Instagram page, Digital Kill, the Radio Star Podcast, and you can find us on any outlet where you uh, subscribe to podcasts. Kate and Chris and I have a full day of interviews, and we're going to uh, get to work on that now. And so uh, here it is, Megadeth's Dave Ellison. You take a mother man And put him in control Watch him become a god Watch people's heads a roll So this is uh this is really cool. Kate and I are here in Nashville at the Rock and Pod Expo and uh, I, I'm a big fan of the guy we're about to uh, interview. He and his uh, and his uh, partner who helped write his book and his business uh, partner who uh, got a fascinating life as well. Uh, it's with great honor that we introduce Tom Hazard and the bassist for Megadeth, Mr. David Ellison. All right. Thank you for that all right. Oh, well. all right. So actually, this question is for both of you. Uh, I've told you I've, I've read both of your books, and um, the, the second book, the first half, basically deals with the realities of the music business. Now. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, my wife is actually from Meridian, where, okay. uh, you know, PV yeah, is, sure. is, yeah, yeah. mentioned that in the book. Right. What is it like trying to navigate the music business now when nobody is buying music, it seems? It's, uh, you know, to be honest with you, the best way to stay in the music business now is to get into real estate. <laughs> because there's uh, not a lot of money in this anymore. Um, and that's, you know, the reality. I, I, and again, I saw that coming years ago. Um, you know, Dave and I, Mustaine and I, were lucky to get in under the wire with Megadeth, um, where there was still a bright future ahead of you, um, getting signed to the major label. Our days in combat records, like Killing's My Business, and we even recorded peace cells for that label, <clears throat> you know, not so glorious. 
but <clears throat> there was a bright light up ahead. And fortunately, we got to, we actually outlived our seven album capital deal. Um, but it's very interesting, by the time that was done, and then we transitioned over to uh, Rod Smallwood, Iron Maiden's manager, and put together the Sanctuary Music Group. And we transitioned over to that, and that was, you know, essentially it was a very large independent label. So in one way, Dave and I, I remember we kind of felt like we were, while there was a lot of money in it, I kind of, I remember feeling like we were kind of going back into the independent world, uh, which was a little daunting. Um, and, you know, then Dave did three records for uh, Roadrunner, which, you know, we had initially had a, a meeting with, at the, before it was Roadrunner, it was called Road Racer Records, and they were one of the independents, one of the four suitors uh, that came to us in the beginning. We opted for combat instead, but, you know, of course, Roadrunner, uh, between those Slipknot and Nickelback records, had some money to play with, uh, you know, and were able to sign bands like Rush and Dream Theater and Megadeth and things like that um, to, to new deals. I think Dream Theater was one of them. But, um, you know, then now back on Universal Records uh, with Megadeth, um, you know, now it's interesting that, it, you know, our deal with, with Universal is probably not much different than what Tom and I do with EMP, which is we essentially, outside of a couple of young groups like Dalskin, um, who are very much following my path. Who you discovered at your child. It's um, <laughs> cool, yeah. Talent but it's funny with them because, you know, I, did, I took them in the studio, produced an EP. Tom and I put EMP together essentially to get their record out. He had a whole bunch more albums in the queue that um, we, he wanted to get out, so we used the platform of EMP Label Group to put those out. But, you know, young new bands, and of course, I got Dalskin over to Hopeless Records, which is a good transition for them. But it's hard, man, there's a lot of, it's, it's very difficult, and you know, the conversations I have with them from the management side are no different than the conversations Tom and I have when we go out and do things like Bass Story, um, working with groups like Autograph and Ron Keel. Um, you know, a lot of records on the, uh, retail side don't sell. We know that, right? I mean, it's basically an out just like you bringing in these Megadeth albums. I mean, if I stand in front of house, uh, the merch booth on a bass story, and this is basically just a place to put an autograph now, right? And it does come with some music, by the way. The CD is what I'm holding. That's, that's, but, that's pretty for observation. I mean, look, a lot of the, you know, the the music portion of it has almost become more a memorabilia thing. People want to buy the CD directly from the band, get it signed, take it home, put it on a shelf. You know what I mean? And that's kind of <clears throat> part of the transition we've seen, which is sort of what's led us to some of the more heritage rock book. Bottom line, I love that stuff. I mean, it's kind of what I grew up on, you know, between Megadeth and, and Slaughter and Skid Row and, you know, everything, you know, sort of in between, you know, and it's, so again, yeah, that's kind of part of it. Is I, I think now, the, the there's still people with money that want to buy stuff, but they want to buy a record, get it signed, take it home. They want to buy something from the band, take it home, and that's what we see on these base tours. Where people come up and buy the poster, they buy the CD, they buy the vinyl, they buy whatever they want to take it home, put it on a shelf, display it, and it's more a kind of a almost a memorabilia game as, as mm -hmm. much as it's about the well, music. Well, you'll be happy to know uh, on our podcast when we do a hashtag it's always hashtag buy music yeah but we still believe in buying music to, to your point just just then tom and you mentioned it as well david i mean you know your, your opening comment around there's you know there's not a a mountain of money that's falling out of the sky in this industry any longer i mean do you guys find when you're working with some of the bands on your label and just in general now in this day and age the focus perhaps being a bit more on being willing to 
to be a true road dog and get out there and slush out the live gigs and you know have the merch table and the memorabilia and yeah you know, for sure i mean in heavy metal it's always been that there's certain genres that are always that metal punk rock there's things that it's always built from the ground up um and if you're lucky enough like we were with megadeth to get mtv success and have some of these big kind of you know the shiny celebrity moments but you know as those often will go away um, you know, we're, we're still left standing because we built a real fan base. Um, and I think, you know, with Megadeth being back on Universal, which is where we are now, you know, the reason Universal signed Megadeth was because we pretty much brought the full cachet to the table already. You know, I, I would, can imagine many record labels uh, today that have a, um, you know, built bands like Motley Crue and Megadeth and Guns N' Roses. I bet they're kicking themselves that they didn't somehow write some sort of a 360 deal back in the day. Because imagine, if those early, you know, Geffen, Capital, ah, Warner Brothers, imagine if they also owned part of the Megadeth brand. Imagine sure. if they owned some of our merchandising. Imagine if they owned some of our touring. I often think about that with Capitol Records. You know, they signed us to the seven album deal. They didn't have any merchandising. They had no attachment to our brand. So they basically, for seven albums, built our name. And then when it was all done, we walked out the door. Now, of course, they still have Rust and Peace and Peace Cells, and they've got a huge catalog that makes all this money. Um, <clears throat> but you know, imagine, it's sort of like the horse on the wall over there, ironically, that sort of got out of the stable and ran off and now gets to have a new opportunity. So we're very lucky that we were in a period of the music business where we didn't have to uh, give away the rights to many of those assets. Because most bands today, when you sign a, a deal, and we don't do this at EMP because we often license things, so you know we let our artists own their own masters in, in most cases, but... Um, but you know, with a new a new artist signing a deal today, you are you are essentially having to give up some of your merchandising, possibly some of your touring, uh, and then quite honestly, as now as a label guy over on this side, <coughs> what me and Tom do, I get it. I mean, why would a record label, who in their right mind would put a bunch of money out to build some artist's career? Um, because there's such risk in it these days, and not a lot of payoff. That you know, every once in a while, a Paramore. Or a, you know, a, um, I don't know, a, you know, an Avenged Sevenfold, something pops through the crack that re actually really works. Yeah. You know, that's real money. I mean, I mean now just, Greta you know, Van Fleet's probably the closest. Yeah, Greta Van Fleet, exactly. You know, and, and, and it's funny, I like Greta Van Fleet. I, I just heard, you know, something on the radio the other day, and I was just like, you know, what? I, I get why people are age, oh, they sound like Led Zeppelin, but you know what? It's like, man, music has always been led by the youth. You know, young people, they're, they're the, the liberal-minded, they're... they're Innovative. That's where it always starts. Is is is. It's always driven by youth, and and I and I love them. I think they're cool. They look cool. They sound cool. They've got a a, a sound that's that's uh, fresh and new for 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 their for their age group. And I think I think it's cool, man. David, you 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 touched on uh, you stepped into Megadeth. Let me just ask you the question. I mean, clearly the the legacy that you and Megadeth have uh, cemented. Is, uh, is undeniable and recognized by all. And there's a million questions that I would love to ask you, but maybe I'll settle with this one. But you get one. Uh, for, <laughs> for you, for yeah. you, what has truly been um, the most or one of the most kind of personally gratifying and satisfying or proudest moments if you look across the Megadeth landscape uh, for you personally and the contribution that you guys have made? You know, I'd say probably there's a consistency to the sound that's been there throughout. Um, and I'll probably toot my own horn a little bit and lay claim to that when, especially the records Dave and I played on together, uh, very much have a, there's an intrinsic sound to that. And 
I think probably the hardest thing to create and ever be known for is your sound. You know, you turn on the radio and if you, you know, love Kenny G or hate Kenny G, when he plays, you know it's him. You recognize him. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, whether it's Michael Jackson, Megadeth, whoever. You know, having something that really stands on I me. Mean, look, we're sitting in Nashville. This town is full of a bunch of people trying to have a sound that they will hopefully one day be known for. And, you know, and sometimes in these music cities, it's almost harder. I mean, I lived in L.A. for 10 years. And, you know, when, when um, obviously, Motley Crue, there was 10 copycat bands. I remember when Guns N' Roses were trying to get that thing up and going and out the door, and it took them several years to get that first album done. And even when it came out, it didn't, it didn't go gangbusters. Yeah. I mean, it, it took it, a while. Welcome to the Jungle like came out. Months. Yeah. But then after them, there were 10 more Guns N' Roses copycats, mm-hmm. you know. And when Poison came, you know, us and Poison essentially walked in the door of Capitol Records pretty much on the same day. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, you know, again, very polar. And Tom taught me this too. He said, you know, po- great artists are very polarizing. Either you love them or you hate them. Yeah. And, you know, Poison, love them or hate them. I know those guys. They worked very hard for that. Dave and I actually knew CeCe. That's not his name. I forgot what his name is. But he was in another band that was at our rehearsal hall um, when probably in 1984 when me and Dave and Gar and Chris Poland were, you know, getting, you know, essentially put together. Is that right? Yeah, The Killing Is My Business and, uh, you know, some of those early songs. And, you know, there's a lot of guys kicking around Hollywood doing different things, trying to find something. And when you find something that works, man, it's... it's uh, I have great respect for anybody who is able to stay in the game and uh, weather the storms. Because, you know, by the time your first album comes, I tell the Dawson girls this all the time. They've got, this is now their third album. I said, you know, to most of the world, you're about six weeks old. Because that's when their last album just came out on Hopeless Records. And that, you know, Tom and I worked very hard building that band. Because um, they had a sound and they had a look and they, they had a thing. But there's a lot of work that goes into propping something up and getting it even to the starting line, you know. And then most people, when the gun fires and they come out of the starting line, and let's face it, how many artists, they trip over the starting line. And they fall before they even get to the 10-yard mark, you know. So anyone who can actually get around the track once, twice, 35, 36 years is in Megadeth. I mean, my, my hat's off to them, regardless of the genre of music. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there was, you know, from a fan's perspective... There was definitely a consistency and a, uh, you know, recognizable uh, Megadeth sound, and I think the, yeah. the continuity of, of you know of uh, of you and Dave certainly certainly helps with that when it's not uh, um, continually a, a shift there from a member's per- perspective. So I think the albums that you guys were on, as you touched on, it's uh, you know those those stand out from a from a perspective of that Megadeth tone and that Megadeth sound that you know uh, immediately it grabs you. You know? Oh, and the funny thing is, too, and I, and I don't say this is to kiss David's ass. I mean, <clears throat> those records David wasn't on, like, I got him checked out. Like, I was like, to me, Megadeth is Dave and Dave. And if one of those guys isn't there, it's not Megadeth as far as I That sound of Ellison's bass and Mustaine's guitar and vocal, I mean, that's fucking Megadeth. You know what I mean? That's it for me, you know? All right, so we're getting the, the go home sign. Um, I, one quick question about the book. Uh, we should say the book is More Life With Death. The album is Sleeping Giants. Uh, it's really really heavy album, especially those first four or five songs. Really heavy, really good. Got um, uh, the gentleman from Run DMC, DMC on there. Yeah, on there. Real quick, the style of the book was unique in that you have your friends basically telling their version of the story that you're telling. Whose idea was that to... 
You know, it kind of, it, it, funny, there was a, I, I kind of did it in the previous memoir of my life with death. I had a few people kind of weigh in a But little this bit. is like really consistent. Yeah, you know, like I read a Kiss book and I'll, I'll be very, I'm a big Kiss fan, right? And so I read most of the Kiss books and there's a great Kiss book that I'll promote for them, not that they need my, you know, praises on it, um, called, um, what the hell is it called? Nothing to Lose. Nothing to Lose. It's about the, and it's of the early days of Kiss, how Gene and Paul met, how the band came together through the first three albums. And... I think probably more subtly, I'd sort of used yeah. that idea. I didn't, I didn't consciously say this is the book yeah. I'm going to write. It's like a kiss book, yeah. but I think it kind of crept in. And, and to be yeah, honest it. with you, I'm I'm very collaborative in everything that I do. The business we have together with me and Tom is very collaborative. Bands that I'm in are collaborative. Music I write is collaborative. To me, it's always a we thing. You know, life is a we, not a me. You know, and it's more fun when you bring your friends to the party. And I think what was really funny was what actually, because Tom did most of the interviews with these people, right? And so I remember when he got off the phone and he, and he did talk to my friends growing up, Greg Hannibet, Brad Schmidt, and he goes, you know, when you read the press, it sounds like, you know, Dave came out of Metallica and, you know, this whole platform was set and, you know, we sort of came in and then the band formed. And he goes, you know, but when you really read what happened, you know, and, and Dave, you know, he's very open about this. I mean, he was really down to nothing. You know, and it's amazing how the good Lord kind of sent four young bucks from Minnesota. I headed west to Hollywood, and then we meet Dave, and together, you know, his ideas, his boldness, his leadership, yet with, the, with you know, me and my friend Greg and even my friend Brad, how the three of us together, that was how Megadeth formed. And that story is really well told, I think. Yeah, not just powerful. Yeah, not just by me, but by those other cast of characters. I think that's what I like about it, about in, implementing, hey, look, and it's, uh, I think that was both. I think it was me kind of injecting that, and then Dave being a fan of Nothing to Lose, and there's a couple other books. And that's always kind of been a style I like is, you know, and, and those other guys, it's like, look, Dave can tell a story, but when you have three other people corroborating it and giving you their interpretations of it, you know, and it's funny, when you were writing the book, I'd kind of say, it's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It jumps around all over the place, but then it like kind of comes back into focus, and you go, oh, okay. You know, and I think having those other people in there gives a, a really cool, different perspective to it. And again, some of these stories, it's really cool to hear three different people tell their versions of that one thing, and through that collaborative process, you kind of get a full scope of how everything happened, you know? Guys, uh, it's time to, for us to wrap it up. Uh, I can't tell you, this, is, this has been a huge honor. Uh, Thank you. Really appreciate both of you taking your time. The tour is Bay Story. It's, uh, it's in your town. Go see it. We'll see it tomorrow night. The book is More Life With Death, and the album is Sleeping With Johns. Thank you both so very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.